Welcome back to another episode of This Week in College Viability. Today, the story, the podcast, is about a news story out of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald that discusses the finances and potentials and, I think, viability of three private colleges in Iowa. They are Loris University, University of Dubuque, and Clark College, all in Iowa and all in the Dubuque area. And it was Elizabeth Kelsey's article, and she's a reporter for the local Dubuque Telegraph Herald. And the story reads, or the story headline is, Leaders of Local Private Colleges Determined Despite Anticipated Challenges. The story is thorough enough, but Miss Kelsey falls into the same PR trap that I have seen most regional reporters fall into. She doesn't really challenge the company line from colleges she is reporting on. And so here are three areas I have written about and talked about previously that appear in this article. First, each college referenced in her story shares general plans about adding new stuff. The leaders from these colleges discuss majors and adding new sports teams, new student pipelines and capital campaigns and more. And below I'm going to share, or later on I'm going to share some basic fallacies in colleges that say new stuff, and stuff is what I just talked about, that will save them. And I make the argument, and I think it's a logical one, if these new approaches are going to be successful, why haven't they been tried much earlier, even before the dark days of college closures that we are living in now? And second, and maybe even more importantly, I I think it's a fair assumption that all of these colleges' competitors are doing the same or similar things. So unlike the president at one of these colleges in this story, I can, I think, put Economics 101 into context. And that is the essence of the problem for private colleges and in some cases public colleges across the country is there are too many college seats and not enough qualified and prepared college students to fill them. One college president was quoted in this story as saying, we've got far more supply, meaning schools, than we have demand, meaning students. In addition to the cumbersome wording, the oversupply is not of colleges, it's of seats at those colleges. And again, Economics 101 is there are too many seats and not enough qualified and prepared students to fill them. So let's look at the three fallacies. The first one is that these three leaders, in some form or fashion, suggest that new programs, new majors, new degrees, new sports, will save us. Experience tells us, experience shows us, it won't happen in almost all cases. Because we're not looking for couch money, the kind of quarters and dimes and nickels you and I may find in our couch. These colleges, to be financially healthy and ultimately viable, these colleges need materially significant new net revenue. And new programs only guarantee them startup costs and years of effort before what history tells us only a small percentage might materially contribute. Fallacy number two. We are unique. Nope. 
Nope. The competitors for these colleges, for these three colleges in the case of this story, are engaged in very similar activities to try and grow their market share and net revenue. Arguably, a college degree is a commodity. Some are certainly more valuable than others, but it is safe to argue that the fastest route and the least expensive route will prevail. And fallacy number three, and I'm going to take a little poetic license here, and I'm making an interpretation because I've seen so many of these stories about small private colleges reported by local regional reporters. I've got to believe that these college leaders, whether they're presidents or board people, board, uh, board members of these colleges, are thinking something along the lines of, let's not share any actual data with reporters. They aren't that smart. Well, the discussion about reporters and intellect is for another day. Certainly, these stories play well locally. That's why reporters write them. However, I'll, I'll suggest that College Viability, my firm, is only one of many higher ed data entrepreneurs working to improve the transparency of college finances and even their viability. The data that I read in this story was predominantly based on hopeful numbers for somewhere in the future. The actual data paints a much different picture than these college leaders choose to share. And I'll give you an example. The University of Dubuque president, quoted regularly and frequently in this article, shares that his college has chosen to not increase its tuition discounting. I'll be honest, I'm confused because I went to the IPEDS data, the data from the National Center for Education Statistics that the University of Dubuque itself submitted. And in 2014, the University of Dubuque's data from the national, submitted to the National Center for Education Statistics, listed unfunded institutional grants, you and I call them discounts, at $1.9 million. That's in 2014. In 2021, the last reported data from Dubuque, that number was $6.3 million. So I got my calculator out, and indeed, I was able to confirm that $6.3 million is indeed larger than 1.9 million. I even took the time and dropped a note to the reporter to point this out. I even offered her courtesy access to my 2023 College Viability app so she could actually check the data herself. We'll see what happens with that. And then I think I want to add that I, I, I do understand, but don't necessarily agree with these college leaders' efforts to obfuscate their challenging financial situation. They indeed have that fiduciary responsibility to look out for the best interests of their organizations. They are paid to do that. And we all know that any public suggestion that a college might close will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. It will happen. If colleges say we're about to close, it's going to happen because no student will probably want to go there. But the saddest part is that the students for these colleges and all colleges their families and the faculty and staff, they don't have any fiduciary equivalent to look out for their best interests. And I'll add a plug here that our College Viability Apps in its many versions for different audiences is our effort to fill that need. And finally, just a couple of quick stories from 
the article itself. And there was one section, and I can't even begin to make sense, of the Clark College's president's reference to McDonald's hamburgers and chickens. I've created a link to the podcast. You can read it yourself. The president, uh, Lampkin, President Lampkin, is quoted as listing his enrollment targets as 1,000 undergrads and 300 graduate students in about 18 months. I will stick with my previous posts and note that delusion, statistical delusion, business delusion, is a very difficult disease to cure. In a diminishing market with intense competition, there is no reasonable expectation to think colleges like Clark can reverse an eight-year trend of decreasing enrollment for both undergrad students, it's down 20% for the last eight years, and graduate students down 30%. Just not going to happen. The article does provide an important reminder about enrolling students who are not prepared for college. And I think I could go on for that for days on end. But I, I can make the argument that this is documented in the story by the four-year graduation rates for two of the three colleges. Now, Loris is really strong. And I, I rarely see as strong of a four-year graduation rate as I saw for Loris. They're hovering around 60%. My threshold that I use as a minimum is 50%. Clark is much weaker at around 50%. The University of Dubuque's four-year graduation rate, I'm going to use the term, is pathetic, averaging around 35% over the past eight reported years. That doesn't even qualify for our coin toss college category. And I make the argument regularly, why should any student consider a college where 65 out of every 100 students who start there do not graduate in four years? And finally, I'll go back to a quote from Dr. Lampkin from Clark, and he shares in the story, Clark is currently operating at a deficit, but he believes the work officials are doing, including focusing on student retention, boosting enrollment, and launching a $40 million capital campaign will reverse that trend. And I shared this earlier, and I'll reinforce it again. Why would colleges like these, like Clark and the others, not have put these new systems and processes into place years ago? The collapse of higher education, the, ha the collapse of the higher education market, has been developing over many years, and what I fear is we are witnessing a defense, not just from these three private colleges in Iowa, we are witnessing a defense of public relations versus data honesty. This is Gary Stocker. This has been another episode of This Week in College Viability.